Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keen Three Fifteen Sports Psychology's podcast. And this is Parker. And just this episode is going to be talking about pretty much the very complex dynamic uh, conversation on fatigue and underperformance, with conversation on overtraining syndrome as well as burnout and then leading to depression. And you'll kind of see as we go through this episode, uh, some key words like fatigue or overreaching, see a little bit on staleness, uh, then burnout and then depression. And you'll see that progressive um, progressive movement, that progressive trend, um, you know, upwards just because, you know, if not stopped at what is supposed to be done at, at overload and we know if we don't allow recovery and rest at the overload phase and then you know that leads to you know to to overreaching um to then if we continue to overreach then that brings to staleness and then you know we continue to be in that stall you know then leads to burnout and continuing in that burnout state you know and not changing behavior not changing how we're exercising then of course you know gradually to a depressive state you know moving forward so when we think about those those ideas, we're looking at how to start off. How all athletes and in, in all sports, we we need to train hard in order to improve. You know, that initial hard training causes underperformance, but if recovery is allowed, there is super compensation and the Im- improvement in our performance. Now, training, of course, is designed in a very secular way. So we're looking at proper periodization, you know, allowing time for recovery with progressive overload. So during that hard training and overload period, this transient symptoms and signs change in some basic diagnostic tests, um, which may occur. So those just being some overreaching or, you know, overload. So you just got to remember that periodized training is this deliberate strategy, you know, exposing our athletes to a very high volume or high intensity training loads and then followed by low training loads or lower intensity involving a rest or some form of a taper. And we think about that overload, we need to cause our athletes to adapt to this higher level of physical and mental performance. So when we think about overloading, we need to intentionally overload the body so that we produce this essential mechanism to create, to adapt. You know, we need to adapt to this new level of intensity, to this new stressor. And so we need to overload it. Now, when we overload it, we need to make sure that we allow recovery. And if you're not allowing recovery, then you're going to get to overtraining. And there are some uh, times in seasons where we intentionally overtrain. You know, we we provide a short cycle of training to our athletes to expose them to this excessive amount of load, right to the point of capacity, right up to their point where they're going to break. And you know, that's where the art of coaching comes in. That's where you know you need to know each particular athlete of when they break. And that's such a dynamic piece when it comes to college athletics because of the level of maturity and age, you know, they can handle a lot, but because of academics and other life circumstances, you know, one athlete 
might have a very mi- you know minor load of of uh, gray of uh, units you know not working, and all they do is just train and and you know compete. And uh, while you might have another student who's in a very hard major, you know, taking a full load and working and in a relationship, you know, and then doing a, a full you know training load, and you kind of think of the one with all of those other variables. Well, of course their maximum capacity is going to be probably lower than the other athlete who doesn't have as hard of a schedule. doesn't have as hard of a major, isn't working, isn't in a relationship, um, you know, can handle and, and really focus on the recovery aspects of that overtraining cycle. So, you know, just being aware of that, um, as we go along, because when athletes fail to recover from training, they become more progressively fatigued and suffer from that prolonged performance. And, you know, that's what a lot of coaches need to understand is you, you do put in a overtraining cycle. There are consequences to pay where they might not have that, you know, great of potential or great of performance during that time, because all the work is put into the training. And so, you know, it's going to have long-term benefit later on, but in that immediate, it may not. So just being aware of those, that those differences. Now we think about overload, just remember that first we need to stress the body. So when load is greater than the normal level, it becomes a stressor and that's going to stimulate that adaptation process within your organism, within your athlete. You, know, you see, you have to think about how am I stressing this organism? How am I stressing this athlete? And Again, those are going to vary depending on the, the athlete and the situation. You know, you might have an athlete who, you know, isn't that strong in the weight room or isn't that strong on hills or isn't that strong on, you know, this surface or whatever that may be. And so they're going to adapt in different ways to that stressor and training. And so you know, just being aware of how, you know, your athlete responds to that, you know, stress and overload is going to be essential. Now, the process of overtraining, when you think about the keys of those, okay, can result in a positive adaptation and improved performance. So positive overtraining or a maladaptive or decreased performance. So negative overtraining. Now, what we need to remember, though, is each athlete's overtraining might be a different you know, level of athlete's optimal training regimen. You know, so you need to create workouts and plans that are going to apply to and loads, you know, masses that are going to apply to the general population of your, you know, student athletes of your athletes. And you're going to have a few outliers of, you know, within that, uh, you know, process. So again, as I described before, as an example of, you know, one athlete having all these other variables involved in their life, you know, impacting them while another may not have any of those, you know, where someone will hit their peak of optimal training and one might overtrain, um, it's going to vary. But the one important piece to remember is that all organism, all athletes uniformly respond to stress. We all go through the same process of how we respond to stress. And that is just a general adaptation syndrome, or as we refer to Seeley's gas syndrome. Now, when we think about stress being induced, then it is gas. It is the alarm, the resistance, and the exhaustion phase. Now, those are areas that I want to encourage you to look up and and see that process because it is, um, you know, a little too much to dive into its specifics, but just know that the alarm phase is this burst of energy 
you know, this, the hypothalamus and the sympathetic branch and the cortisol are all working together to create this alarm that's going on. Then there's going to be this resistance or adapt phase. And that's where our parasympathetic branch of the ANS is going to be responding. So all of a sudden our, our ANS system that's in control of the, you know, largely unconscious and regulates bodily functions, such as our heart rate, our digestion, respiratory rate, you know, response, sexual arousal, you know, this, this system is primarily mechanism and control that fight or flight response. Now that resistance phase can last up to 48 hours. You know, so if you continue to stress the system at a high phase all the time, well, then your body is going to consistently be pushing cortisol, pushing this resistance at a constant rate. So overtraining and, you know, burnout, it's not of if it's of when now, after that resistance phase is exhaustion. You know, it's either one of the three things, either that you, you know, you as a coach or the athlete recognize, Hey, this workout is over and I decrease the stressor. So I, I do my easy cool down. And that's why the cool down is so important because you're now telling the body, Hey, the workout's done. The stressor is over. I've stopped stressing you now relax, you know, put the guard down you know, or uh, in some cardiovascular sports, you ran out of energy, you know, you ran out of fuel to continue to stress the body at that high level of an intensity, you know, and if you continue through the exhaustion phase and you continue to push the body through exhaustion all the time, then of course, again, it's not of if it's when will burnout occur. So it's always an interesting thought um, on exercise and why is it that exercise is, you know, considered good if it's actually a stressor? You know, so just recognizing, you know, our intent when it comes to exercise and why it is so important for our lives. But how can exercise that is supposed to be good also lead us to a depressive state? And so just a couple of things to be thinking about, uh, you know, exercise is this physical challenge. But we need to be taking this physical challenge in just graded doses and allowing the person, allowing the athlete complete control over its outcome. That's very challenging to do as a coach because as a coach, you want to stress the athlete to provide and, and force a specific outcome, right? But if you are as coach putting in graded doses, great, then, then you are going to be fulfilling that. For the general you know, activity, exercise, you know, person, then having that autonomy to develop and create your own dose and its own outcome is going to be vital. So as long as the person, you know, you're avoiding overtraining, your exercise may increase physical fitness, but it's also going to improve your mood. So, so much of is exercise good or bad is going to rely on your motivations and your emotions that are involved within the situation at hand. So, you know, is your outlook and, and your perspective of what it is that you're going to do, you know, good. Um, and that always varies. Not everyone loves, for example, running. You know, it's usually something that everyone avoids uh, in every way. Uh, so just being aware of that. Now, the impact of the stressor depends heavily on the way the person interprets the situation. So two challenges that are equally physically demanding can have different consequences for the individual based on 
just their interpretation of the situation and the accompanying emotions that they're having with that. So very interesting to be thinking about is, you know, not just why running is so hard, but what's your, before you start, how are you interpreting the pain or the why behind you have to go exercise or run? And were you in a good place prior to, to that exercise, you know, and are you doing a place that you want to do it in? So when you think about the, again, the, this very complex concept of burnout and depression and overtraining, you know, we need to understand that overtraining is not just about the physical training volumes and program design, um, the intensities that, you know, the athletes be exposed to. This is about the psychological and social stressors along with the amounts and types of rest the athletes are experiencing to influence this overtraining and periodization process. So it's not just the load. It's not just the stressor and the intensity. It's talking about, you know, the other influences involved, for example, team culture, coach athlete relationship, talking about uh, peers, friendship, support group. We're talking about academics and identity, talking about all of those other variables that, you know, an athlete can be experiencing that will influence what the coach or the athlete is implementing on their own training loads and volumes along with these other variables. So you think about overtraining, we're looking at a condition of fatigue and underperformance. We're looking at, you know, associations with frequent infections and depression, which, you know, usually recurs around hard training. Now we take a step back and we look at just general fatigue or overreaching. Again, as we talked about before, this, this overtraining just being right up to your maximum capacity, you know, a short training cycle where you have just beyond your, your overall max capacity of fatigue, where we can easily implement, you know, a, a day of a complete day off, you know, and then two days after that of just kind of easy, easy recovery back into the stress, you know, of what that we're trying to do to, to allow enough recovery for the body to respond. Now we think about staleness, you know, so there's fatigue and, and overreaching and then there's staleness versus, you know, burnout and staleness is actually this physiological state of overtraining, which the athlete has difficult maintaining this standard training regimens that can no longer, you know, accomplish their previous performance results. So think about just being stale. You know, you, you hear a lot of times athletes will just describe how they're feeling. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard athletes actually say, I just feel stale, just feel kind of kaput and done. And, you know, that's a, a key indicator because they're unable to consistently handle the workouts that we're trying to implement. And they're no longer hitting the race times or the competition times or their performance standard, you know, that they were doing prior. And so, you know, it's very important to understand that it's just though at a physiological level. And if they continue to maintain in that stale space, 
looking at just physiological, then of course we're going to be looking at a overtraining or a chronic fatigue syndrome and leading us down the line of burnout, then potentially to a depressive state. So we look at burnout, we are looking at a psychophysiological response due to ineffective efforts that meet excessive demands involving a psychological, emotional, and even sometimes a physical withdrawal from an activity just because of the excessive stress or dissatisfaction. I can't, again, I can't tell you how many times I've heard athletes bring up their poor relationship with their other co- with their coaching staffs, you know, or with teammates um, that provided excessive stress that dissatisfied them. I've had athletes that you know, had such a, a heavy load as being dual majors. And, you know, the sport itself brought so much excessive stress that they no longer were satisfied. You know, I still found them exercising outside of the sport to help for their own, you know, stress relief, but they needed to get away from the, the team dynamic and competition because that just provided excessive stress to perform where they just need it as a stress reliever at this point. So, you know, very important in that standpoint um, of what that looks like. So when we're looking at the symptoms of overtraining syndrome, chronic fatigue, and we're looking at, again, a very complex, complex characteristics and and descriptions of, of what burnout and depression, you know, all look like. And so, Next up, I want to talk a little bit more about um, how special, you know, the student athlete population is. And I think that's one thing you, you hear a lot about either from, you know, family members or, you know, coaches um, that, you know, as a student athlete, as an athlete, you know, are a, a very vital and a very special population group. And as an athlete, you should take that. You should understand that you are, you know, a unique and special specimen that, you know, needs more support, more care. Um, And that's across all things, not just at a psychological level, but you need more caloric intake. You need more, you know, time Um, within the day that you are taking away from because you're training and you're doing all these extra things, your body needs more time to recover, you know, more time for this. And, you know, as much as college athletics is an amazing opportunity, it's also one of the biggest challenges because, you know, there is no grace within the academic field to thrive in your sports world. And so you just need more time. So when you think about burnout, or depression and what that looks like, we need to see the the differences and also similarities of the characteristics that lie within both. You need to understand that as a student athlete, you're a special population group. We're also going to identify, you know, the specific models of burnout and just going to list out what those are and, you know, key ones that you're going to want to, you know, really focus on you know, more than anything else um, as you go along. Now, uh, also looking at uh, two specific assessments, which this class is going to take um, and be evaluated underneath. So 
you know, something that I think is, is extremely important when we talk about before diving into burnout and depression and, and all that, I think one thing to remember in, in overtraining and performance is that overtrained and stale athletes, you know, are at risk for developing mood disturbances. When we have a mood disturbance, it's not only can result in decreased performance levels and dropout, but, and that's going to vary, you know, depending on, on the year, you know, and the season, all those things. And so as a coach, you know, and, and for ones that are implementing their own workouts, I can't tell you how important more is not always better. And when you're talking about doing more training, more work, you know, that's not always the case when it comes to what you're trying to accomplish. So, so just a couple of, of, you know, one key fact and uh, a couple other things just to be aware of as why athletes, you know, I consider as a special population, when you think about mental illness affecting approximately 61.5 million Americans each year, mental health continues to carry this negative stigma that interferes with proper treatment and effective care. And when we look at our athletic populations, there's this athletic culture and this self-help mentality that leads athletes to seek treatment less often and reject treatments at higher rates than non-athletes. I'm getting more athletes that are unwilling to seek out help and, and counseling services than the general population of student of students here that are recognized and are willfully signing up for you know, counseling services or mentoring and support where this Superman complex, you know, really connects with their personality type and, and goes, no, I don't need that. You know, I can withstand it. I'm strong. I'm an athlete and feel resilient to, you know, the feelings that they have. Oftentimes mental illness and athlete goes underdiagnosed. Athletes should be considered as a special population with the needs that are unique from your non-athlete counterparts. And again, recognizing more importantly that because you are a student athlete, you are special. And if the general population is recognizing, hey, I need this service, going as, as, a, as an athlete, you should go yeah, if they're needing it, I should need this more often. I should need this more frequently, not because, you know, I, I have a problem, but that because, or I have an issue at hand that needs to be resolved, but that it, this should be sought out from the get-go. So when we look at burnout and depression, uh, depression in athletes is specifically underdiagnosed. You know, part of this issue, though, stems from the similarities between the major depressive disorder and burnout and because they're both so similar to each other they're very underdiagnosed between so major depressive disorder or mdd involves either depressed mood or loss of interest and pleasure in nearly all activities for a period of at least 2 weeks so this also involves other symptoms like changes in sleep you know one's appetite energy and concentration now overtraining or burnout and athletes can involve almost the identical symptoms, but these similarities provide difficulties for you know, coaches, sports psychologists, especially practitioners working with athletes. The awareness of these similarities is, is vital for appropriate referrals, care, 
and treatment. When it comes to burnout, you know, usually reducing the load over that two weeks will help respond. You know, you'll see a, a significant result right away um, just by preventing and stopping the, you know, actual duration um, and effort and intensity in the workout and training. You know, just by stopping it, just up to a week, you know, week, two weeks, you know, you'll probably see a significant level of resolve um, if it is burnout. Now, if you as a coach um, working with some other, you know, stakeholder as a, as a certified mental performing coach, as a sports psychologist, as clinical services within an institution or school or outside clinical services, you know, you implement some changes of behavior and you observe the athlete over that, you know, one to two weeks and you're not seeing any resolve, then, you know, just from resting, then you can easily see that there's going to be more line symptoms to MDD than it is burnout. And so that's where things are going to be very different for that.